For the rest of us, if you would take your Bibles and open them up to Genesis chapter 1, where we have um, started a series, the first of January, on the very first book of the Bible. And today it's going to make a little bit of a different approach. We'll kind of launch in Genesis 1, but there's a couple different texts I want us to draw our attention to this morning. I want to welcome every single one of you here to Big Woods. It has already, you have already encouraged my heart. Thank you, Craig, and the rest for leading us and for the brass band. Thank you, Ben, and the rest of the U-Turn team that is here. We want to pray for Keith Maxey, the executive director who came up ill, and so we need to pray for him as well. I, I just heard while I was back listening, and, and it had to be, it had to be you guys, okay? Because it wasn't me back there. I heard a lot of people singing, God, you reign. Okay, now let me just remind you, you're in a church. If you were just singing those words, God, you reign, then let me just remind you, I, I hope you understand what you're singing, right? Which means that God is the one, you ju I just heard you, God is the one, doesn't just reign and rule over all of the universe in your own life, that he calls the shots in your life. That's what it means. I heard you sing, God, you reign. You better be honest to let him truly reign in your life. How, how do we learn how to do that? Through the careful study of the word of God. And that's what we're going to do this morning. First and foremost, I desperately need the help of the Lord this morning. Would you bow your heads and pray with me before we dive into our text this morning? <clears throat> Father, we, um, we just rejoice in who you are. We thank you for the opportunity that you've given to us like this. Another day, and, and you've gathered us together, many of us, in, in one place, We've been able to lift up our voices to sing of how amazing you are and to proclaim, Lord, that you, you truly do reign and rule. And so now I ask in this process of preaching, we know that faith comes by hearing and hearing by the word of God. And I would pray, Lord, that we would learn what it means to allow you to, to rule and reign in each one of our lives. Father, I just pray right now for those not, not only here gathered this morning, but those in our community. We, we live, Lord, in a, in a community that is dark, a, a community, Lord, where, where many are just ensnared and entrapped in, in the darkness of sin. And just as we've heard testimony already this morning, that it's you, Lord, who frees us from that. It's you, Lord, who can forgive us of any sin. And I would pray, Lord, that people today would be encouraged by be reminded about your love for us and your willingness to suffer and die on the cross on our behalf. Lord, now with, with a thousand things that are kind of spinning through our minds, the, the, the busyness of this upcoming week, I just pray, Lord, that you would quiet our hearts, that we would hear 
from you. Please help me guide every word. Maybe for your glory. We ask this in Jesus' name. Amen. And amen. <clears throat> I, am, I am not a mechanic, nor am I the son of a mechanic. And, and I know kind of a little bit, for probably like a lot of you, when we get into the, the car and we start, and we kind of know like the basic idea, something happens, there's some kind of a spark somewhere, and that spark ignites some kind of a fuel somewhere, and then something like combustion. But all of this stuff happens, and eventually we get to what? Listen to the radio and drive down the road in a, in a warm vehicle. You, you know, I, I haven't, you've done that before, where you kind of like, something doesn't sound right, or you want to learn, and you open up the hood, and there's like a lot of stuff there, and you're just like, yeah, I don't really know. And we, we kind of close it. And so let, let someone else learn about that, worry about that. So sometimes I, I find that when it comes to the Word of God, many would say, well, I'm, I'm not a preacher nor the son of a preacher. So let, let them kind of work through this, and, and I'll just kind of, you know, like something, I know bits and pieces of it. Let, let, me, let me assure you that, that a, a vehicle, this analogy breaks down really quick, a, a vehicle is, is not living. A vehicle is not to be worshipped. But when it comes to the Word of God and who the Word of God speaks of, I tell you what, we can't just leave that to someone else. We just can't kind of like open up and look at it. Yeah, I don't, I don't get it, close it, and just hope that, you know, we can listen to the radio on the way to work. At some level, it, it demands for us to understand. And, and, and it is no secret that what people can spend decades reading and studying and teaching even, and we still don't fully understand. When we think about what opening the first pages of Scripture, Genesis chapter 1, verse 1, as we've done on January the 1st, We've got, we've got to be able to have at some element in understanding as far as what's going on here. Because that's what we're called to do. We're called, what, to, to be disciples, to, to learn about him. And so that's why even in today's text, you're going to be like, whoa, I don't know, this is like a little bit, I'm not fully understanding things. This is part of what it means to be a follower of Jesus. In learning and studying, being taught everything, to obey everything from the Word of God. And we know so far, by way of a kind of a quick, like, like backdrop to where we are right now, we started within the beginning God created. What I call a, a declaration was made. Everything begins, it all begins with God. We learn about the fact that God is self-existence, the uncaused cause, the great I Am. God is self-sufficient. He's dependent upon no one. For from him and through him and to him are all things, Romans chapter 11 says. We also looked at what a description was given to us right away, right out of the gate. The earth was without form and void. Darkness was over the face of the deep. It was disordered. It was empty, uninhabitable, total darkness. Yet God was there. We looked at a disclosure. God graciously kind of like pulling back the curtains. He's revealing bits and parts of who he is to us when it says what the Spirit of God was hovering over the face 
of the waters, describing a tiny bit of his triune presence, the Holy Spirit hovering his breath over formlessness. And then there was this decree, four words, that has forever changed the world. Let there be light. Even before the sun was created, there was light. God is the light. And it was not so that God could see us. It's so that we could see God. And just as what? God separated light from darkness. Guess what? We are called as light to be separate from the darkness, to take no part in the deeds of darkness. That's why we live different than the rest of the world lives. It lives for God's glory, not our own. Now, now, before we get too much further into the creation narrative, what I want us to do this morning is intentionally focus on who God is and how has God revealed and how is God revealing himself to us. Think about this, his only tool in all of creation, his only tool was his word. This is not some random, like by chance, accident. You've got to admit, something outside of the natural. Some, some one, it's, it's a person. We are introduced to the divine, speaks into this. P.A. Carson said, and I reminded you of this, in order to be effective witnesses to Christ in our age, we'll need to learn to go back to the Bible and present our case as the Bible does. Begin with the doctrine of God as creator, explaining who he is and what he has done. So we do church, what, not just for our good, although it's very good for us, but we do it ultimately for his glory. God is glorified when we open up his word and learn about him learn about the very nature of god his attributes his his character and then what that's the discipleship component then god is glorified when we speak of we announce his goodness and his grace we model his love that's the evangelism it's two wheels of the bicycle you can't remove either one of them so we consider here this morning the very doctrine of God that we see revealed to us. Theology proper as revealed in creation. And, and I've intentionally already referenced a doctrine that we're going to dive into called the Trinity. One God, infinitely great and good, creator and sustainer of all things, both visible and invisible, who is the one true source of light and life, who exists in three persons. Father, Son, and the Holy Spirit, co-equal in nature, majesty, and glory. Now, if you think about it, I've already introduced you to the first person of the Trinity, God the Father. Immediately, right out of the gates, Bereshith Elohim bara. In the beginning, God created. Elohim is a plural noun with a singular verb, which is called a plural of majesty. And it suggests the complexity of God's makeup. We were also introduced to the third person of the Trinity, the Holy Spirit, in verse 2. Hovering as breath. Reels both the power of God's spoken word and the presence as he flutters over the formlessness. But now my goal, as we seek to become effective witnesses to others, telling others of this miracle of creation, 
My goal is that we see Christ in creation. How is Christ? Now, if you read down through this, and we'll, we'll, we'll take it apart over the next several weeks, how do we see, where do we see Christ in the creation narrative when it doesn't seem that Jesus arrives, and yet our responsibility is to tell others about Jesus? Yet, Lord willing, we will learn. And hold, hold me to this, that you understand nothing was made. You think about creation. Nothing was made without Jesus Christ. So here it is. We begin what? In verse 26 of Genesis chapter 1. God the Father speaks, let us, plural, make man in our, plural, image after our likeness. So when we see what? There's a reference to more than one. We begin to get introduced to the second person of the Trinity, God the Son, Jesus, is present as well. Now, as we will unpack the creation story, we'll see that basically you can take the first three days of creation as, as the forming of everything. You can take the second three days of creation as the filling of what God has already formed. And you will notice that every single day has a counterpart from the forming to the filling. Let me speak to that just for a moment. Day one, what happens? God created light, separates it from darkness. He calls the light day, and the darkness he calls night. The counterpart is day four, where God fills what? He creates the luminaries, the sun, the moon, and the stars. And he creates two great lights, one of them to rule the day, the sun, and one of them, a lesser light, to rule the night, the moon. Day two, God forms the expanse, sky and heavens, and, and the, the seas, the oceans and waters. He forms it, and the counterpart is day five, where God fills it, every single winged bird according to their kind. And what? He didn't just fill the sky, he filled the oceans. It says what? With fish that swim according to their kind. And we see another counterpart, day Three, God forms the dry land and, and, and what? The vegetation. And day six, God fills it with every living creature, livestock, beasts, everything that creeps according to their kind. And then finally, what happens at the last day, and this is what we just referenced. God creates man in our image after our likeness. God blessed them. God said, be fruitful, multiply, and get this fill the earth. Now, I present that to you this morning for a reason. That just as there is a counterpart for each day of creation, I would argue that there's actually a counterpart to the creation narrative that reveals the Lord Jesus Christ, the second person of the Trinity, as being present from the very beginning. Where is that? If someone wants to learn about the Bible, someone maybe has just come to an understanding, of, I, I need, there's something bigger out there. And, and they're like, well, where, where, where should I begin to read? People will probably ask you that. Like, where, where do I start? Ideally, you want to start in the beginning. Genesis chapter 1, verse 1. 
But we know what happens is that if you've read any time through the Bible, you get through some of the adventure of creation in Genesis and the story of Exodus. By the time you get to Leviticus and Numbers, it's really, really difficult. And people kind of check out. And so what, where do we oftentimes send people? We, we know we want to point them to the cross, and so we send them, what, we actually print these separate. Here's the Gospel of John. Start with the Gospel of John. And we tell people, like, I don't, like, this is really hard. Like, I don't quite understand what's happening under the hood there. And so we send them to the Gospel of John. Why? Let me, let me, let me bring it to your attention. Take your Bibles and turn with me to John chapter 1, verse 1. I'm going to read a couple verses through verse 4. The words will be in front of you on the screen. I'm reading from the English Standard Version. Here it is. See if any of this sounds maybe a little familiar to what we've been studying in Genesis chapter 1, verse 1. In the beginning was the Word. And the Word was with God, and the Word was God. He was in the beginning with God, and all things were made through Him, and without Him was not anything made that was made. In Him was life, and the life was the light of men. The Word of the Lord. Although Genesis chapter 1, it is not explicit that you see Jesus Christ. If you look at the rest of and all of Scripture, which we always compare Scripture with Scripture, it is very clear what's happening here. John chapter 1, verses 1 through 4, we just read John, the apostle, is introducing and he's actually presenting that Jesus is the eternal pre-existent but now incarnate word as the one-of-a-kind son of the Father who is himself God. Now, I know what you're thinking. You're like, I've only had one cup of coffee, okay? It's still morning, and this is technically my day off. And, and you come to church, and you're telling me, here it is, Jesus always was, but now is think for a moment didn't we just celebrate christmas remember angel uh hey mary you're with child and we heard something about this baby jesus that was born in a manger now now we get to and you're telling me that he was in the beginning really let me tell you, that's a great question for you to ask. Now, now, please hear me. I want to be, I want to speak as simply and as clearly as possible. You're telling me that he was baby Jesus born in a manger and he was in the beginning. Yes. As clearly, as simply as I can speak, yes, he was in the manger as well as in the garden. I step back from that, and the first thing that, this is totally for the first thing that came to my mind, maybe this is uh, disrespectful, the first thing that came to my I typed it out, and I literally said, take that, Buddha. 
top, top that one, Mohammed. My, my mama would say this. You know how when your mom, your dad, like they, you know when, like, they know when they, they are right, okay? Now we're questioning and like whirly and, and when, when, when mom like landed the point and she knew that there's no arguing, she'd say this, put that in your pipe and smoke it. And I was like, wow, not a lot of nine-year-olds are smoking a pipe. But it was kind of like, it was the exclamation point. Like, you can't do anything with this. You're telling me that God himself was in the beginning as well as, yeah. Now, now, now let me tell you, this is what I love. This is what I love about learning about the God who created us and, and formed us and, and didn't just create us and form us and leave us there in brokenness, but he's the one who rescued us and he's the one who presently loves us. This is the stuff that drives me to my knees in prayer every single day. It drives me to his word to learn more. It drives me to my books to, to study, and, and, and I've got to understand this. That's the reason. This is the stuff that the prophet Isaiah wrote in chapter 46. Remember the former things of old? God says, for I am God, and there is no other. I am God, and there is none like me. Exclamation point. Put that in your pipe. Smoke it. Now, now there, are, there are two, two absolutes. We're going to be introduced this morning to two essential, two core doctrines that are actually being unfurled before us right here. And I know what you're saying. I don't really care what happens under the hood, okay? I just want to, no, 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 no. This is not like understanding a car. It's a person one who demands you. You will worship something. I can assure you, many of you are worshiping. But if I recall, you just sang, God, you reign. And God tells us, I want you to learn about me so you can tell others about me. And, and as we have to learn, this is what we're called to. You as a church, we go and we make disciples. You teach people to obey everything that I have commanded you. And then go and be witnesses. There's, there's something that's being revealed here. Two core doctrines that are being unfurled. Two doctrines that are in absolute mainstay to biblical orthodoxy. Both of them are so important that if either one of these doctrines are neglected, are ignored, or denied, either one of them, then let me make it very clear, then we're preaching another doctrine. Call it what it is. That would be heresy on full display if we, if we wiggle from either one of these. That's how important they are. Whereas Paul wrote to the Galatians who were suffering what? Errant teaching that resulted in errant theology. Paul says this, even if we or an angel from heaven should preach to you a gospel contrary to the one that we preach to you, let him be accursed, anathema. It's a polite way to say, let him be damned to hell. Because you have moved from the pages that God has given to us. 
let, let me assure you, there, there is a lot at stake here. What is it? What is it? We need to understand. We need to, number one, see Jesus Christ present at creation, and we see this in his deity. What we refer to as the Godhead. In the beginning, we read in John chapter 1, was the Word, and the Word was with God, and the Word was God. Simplicius. That's got to be a tough name to have on your, like, hi, my name is. He was an ancient Greek scholar. Simplicius quoted another Neoplatonic philosopher who was overheard saying that those first words of John chapter 1, quote, these first verses of St. John's Gospel were worthy to be written in letters of gold. That's, that's how important. You know, this talk about you know, the Old Testament. We don't need the Old Testament. Let's just kind of live here. I've heard pastors, evangelical pastors, so-called. Let's unhitch ourselves from the Old Testament. You can't do that. Because this is the counterpart. This is revealing to us. The text that we just read in John chapter 1 is designed and written with a purpose that one's faith in Christ as the eternal Son of God is brought to a place where we would, we would receive him, we would rely upon him totally as prophet, priest, and king, and that we would ourselves be ruled. We just sang of that, that we would be ruled and ultimately saved by him. What John is showing us here, the Apostle John, is that Jesus is the fulfillment of the creation account in Genesis chapter 1. Let me repeat that. Jesus, what John's writing to us, is the fulfillment of the creation account in Genesis chapter 1. Notice he's echoing the words. It all begins in the beginning. John is calling Jesus the Word. He's saying that Jesus was present at creation, meaning the one who spoke creation into existence. And we always look at all of Scripture. Colossians chapter 1, verses 16 and 17. For by him all things were created in heaven and on earth, visible and invisible, whether thrones or dominions or rulers or authorities, it's repeated. All things were created through him and for him. He is before all things, and in him everything is held together. Isn't it wonderful to know that God didn't just create us and like send us out there. He holds us, sustains. Everything is held together. And that's not the only place that we read of the Godhead. Perhaps most famously, Romans chapter 1, verse 20, Paul writes of the divine nature, the deity of Christ. I actually like the wording of the old King James because it uses this word, the invisible things of him from the creation of the world were clearly seen, being understood by the things that are made, even his eternal power and Godhead, divine nature, so that they are without excuse. What is, what is Paul, the author of Romans, saying? He is saying here, Godhead, the word is what? Theotes. Paul's arguing, look around everyone, virtually all of creation, everything that you see, the complexity of it, the order of it, the beauty of it, everything virtually shouts 
of the existence of God so much so that what? Nobody has an excuse. Don't play that it just happened by accident. We very clearly and quickly easily see God's eternal power as well as his Godhead in what he has made. So much so that the psalmist says what? The heavens declare the glory of God. And the sky above proclaims his handiwork. The sky displays the work of his hands. You, you begin to understand here why we need to see the importance of seeing Christ in creation. Yes, we, we know, okay, God the Father spoke the first words. Let there be light. God the Holy Spirit was hovering as breath over the formlessness. But it is what? It is God the Son, Jesus Christ, who was the word that was spoken, who is equal in presence. He's there with everyone else. Equal in power. And it's Jesus who is the one who made it possible for us to be in relationship with God the Father. And to be filled with God the Holy Spirit. How? He willingly willingly suffered in a place that you and I deserve to suffer. Jesus willingly sacrificed himself on the cross in a place that we deserve to be nailed. And he offered what? He didn't just redeem us. He didn't just forgive us of our sins. You're forgiven. But he actually justified. He declares us righteous upon his work his merit, certainly not our own. You know how we as parents, we, we leave things around for our children to find that we hope that they will find. They find a lot of things that we hope that they don't find. <laughs> I read of one, it was actually again, and it's a dead guy, so I know it's probably boring to you, but there, I, was, I was reading of Francis Junius. He's a 17th century German theologian and a scholar who talks about in his early years he was he was wayward okay he was trouble he had a disturbed childhood a wayward youth and he talks about the fact that he accidentally found the bible open that his father had actually he said designed it to be open to John chapter 1 and, and so this, this young youth finds the Bible that is opened up to this text, that his dad laid it out that way. L listen to what he says. He says that, that when he read that in John chapter 1, he observed such a divinity in the argument, such an authority and majesty in the style that his flesh trembled. That he was so struck with, with amazement that for a whole day he scarcely knew where he was or what he did. You're like, well, that's kind of a dramatic teenager. No, 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 no. Someone was confronted with something. That, that I believe today many of you hearing this message need to be confronted with, to be perfectly honest. Because when we read words like this, yeah, there's not a lot of trembling going on. It's kind of like, okay, what's next so I can get to my little YouTube videos? 
And at some level, he's talking about the fact, he, 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 this is the first step. He describes, this is the first step of my faith. He says, the beginning of his journey with the Lord. And then he, he writes this, let us inquire what there is in those strong lines. He later writes, the evangelist here lays down the great truth he is to prove that Jesus Christ is God. He is one with the Father. And then he writes this, period. Jesus is one with the Father, period. And then he writes a command to us, this, this one historian, with one word, observe. I love that. Like, I'm, I'm, a, I'm a simple guy, like plain, okay? And he's saying, when you read this, you get ready, because when you begin to understand what is being unfurled before us, okay, you better hold on, and you better watch what is happening before us. We have got to see Christ in creation as revealed in his deity. Secondly, and in closing, we see Jesus Christ present in creation in the Trinity, the triune God. He was in the beginning with God. All things were made through him and without him was not anything made that was made. Now, when we read this, it can be hard when we don't actually see Jesus in the creation one narrative explicitly. Thus, the importance of learning about the deity of Christ, which ultimately then points us. Remember that I said there's two doctrines that we cannot avoid, we cannot ignore, we cannot neglect, we cannot deny. One is the deity of Christ. The other is the doctrine of the Trinity. Now, there is little doubt. You think it's difficult to figure out, like, how does that, like, spark plug make that happen so that, so that I can drive down? Like, that's complicated. You try wrapping the Trinity around your mind. Yet, yet, it is most important, and I intentionally wrote this, to attempt to grasp it. Okay, we, we are not. We got, like, finite, little, tiny, like, pea-headed brains, okay? In comparison to everything. And yet, there is... A, 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 there is explicit instruction for us to attempt to grasp. We will see it all clearly one day. Today we see it what? Through a mirror, dimly. Just imagine when it's all revealed. This is the core doctrine. Okay, just hold. I know, I know. It's up. Hold on with me. Just, just 60 seconds, okay? The doctrine of the Trinity means there is one God who eternally exists as three distinct persons, the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit. Now, now state it differently. God is one in essence and three in person. Expressed, I think, in three truths. So number one, the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit are all distinct persons. Okay, they're all distinct. Number two, each person is fully God. And number three, there's only one God. And I know we're like, the, the Bible speaks this is all the way through. That's why it, it sh I shudder to think that people do not accept the Trinity. The Bible speaks of the Father as God in Philippians chapter 1, verse 2. The Bible speaks as Jesus as God in Titus chapter 2, verse 13. The Bible speaks of the Holy Spirit as God in Acts chapter 5, verses 3 through 4. Now, now, this is not three different ways 
of looking at God. Nor, nor is this three different roles that God plays, since they're each distinct persons. Since the Father sent the Son into the world, John 3.16, he cannot be the same person as the Son. Likewise, after the Son returned to the Father, John chapter 16, verse 10, the Father and the Son sent the Holy Spirit into the world. John 14, Acts 2. Therefore, the Holy Spirit must be distinct from the Father and the Son. So while the three members of the Trinity are distinct from one another, they're not inferior to one another. Rather, they are all identical in their attributes, and they are equal in their power, in their love, in their justice, their holiness, and knowledge. Each person is fully God. God is not divided into three parts, one-third, one-third, one-third. The Bible is clear that all three persons are each 100% God. Last week, you witnessed it with Peyton going under, and right before that, what? It says in God's word, we baptize in the name of, and each one of them are singular. Baptize you in the name of the Father, name of the Son, and the Holy Spirit. Now, please hear me. I'm not trying to mess with your minds, okay? I'm not trying to just tick you off this morning. I'm trying to purposely, what? Present it in such a way that you begin to think like, wow, that's my goal. When we, when we view God, that's what happens. Wow. Now, why is this important? I thought we were doing a series in Genesis chapter 1. You only like read one verse. Like, why is it important that we consider this? Jesus said what? I and the Father are one. Jesus said, whoever has seen me has seen the Father. Now, why is this all so important? Here, here's what I want you to take home. Okay, here's what I want you to take home. And, and I'm going to say it. You're not going to be able to write it down fast enough. So, so actually, it's already written on the bottom of your little note sheet. Okay? Here's the idea I want you to take home this morning. The very same power that flung the stars into the unfathomable expanding universe while orchestrating life in the irreducible complexity of the cells of your body, here it is, you can underline this, will act on your behalf. And I love this, conditional, if, if you come to him. You understand why we need to see Christ in creation here? We understand that, that many of you are living lives and you're like totally at the end of your rope. Like, I can't, I can't figure this out. This doesn't make sense. I, I don't know if I, I can continue on. And, and this is what, just as Jesus Christ brings order into creation, I'm going to tell you some good news, people. He can bring he can bring order into the chaos of your life. Just as Jesus Christ brought order into creation, he can bring order into your life. Now, now that demands a responsibility on your part if you let him. 
I, I was back there. It wasn't me singing. I, I believe it. But I heard you sing, God, you reign. Which means at some level, you're beginning to make this turn of, Lord, I'm going to let you. I'm going to surrender to your authority to bring order into the, to, to the chaos of my life. You understand why we need to see this turmoil and confusion? Like there's conflict in families. There's conflicts in marriages. There's internal just torment of, of what? Enslaved to sin. So much so that like, I, don't, I don't really know what to do. And so we kind of freeze and we, we kind of self-medicate with something, a distraction. Let's just play more video games. Let's just drink a little bit more. No, no. It's not going to cut it. Building off the very first words that what God ever spoke, there was, there was something from nothing. There was light in darkness. Formlessness to what? To form. Emptiness to filling. There was chaos, nothingness, uninhabitable. Can't live like this. Chaos to order. I'm going to leave you with this. Remember, first and foremost, today. What would you learn in church today? Remember what God is revealing to you about himself. The deity of Christ. The Trinity. Doctrines that, that this church, okay, is founded upon. Any church that's worth its salt. You move Okay, that's why, that's why the cults, okay, the, the Mormons and Jehovah's Witnesses, they don't believe in these key doctrines, deity of Christ, Trinity. They, they rewrite them, they pull them apart, they fabricate. Remember right now, and then marvel, just, just pause on that. The way that you would stop and pause with the sun that sets or the sun that rises, just marvel at God's power on display, not only in creation, but his power that's on display in the cross of Jesus. Him suffering, writhing in agony on your behalf and mine. And he did it so that you would learn about him. Learn everything you can. That's discipleship. Why? So we can tell others. That's evangelism. And then finally, trust Christ to bring the blessing of light and new life into your life, into your chaos. You, you, you have to act on that. It says in, in the Word of God that we are not to be hearers only, but doers. And maybe in your life, you're like, okay, I, I, I got this. Like, okay, I get it. It's me, I'm in. I trust. Maybe it's a loved one that you're praying for. Then, then I, I would encourage you to to encourage them to remember what God has revealed to us. Marvel at who he is and offer the same step of faith that you have taken. I would, I would encourage you very much, and, I, and I'm just so blessed that as we're reminded about from, from the darkness to light, chaos to order, okay, I, I would encourage you, don't, don't race out like right now, like sing a song, I'm out. 
I, I would encourage you, grab a cup of coffee. It's okay to talk to people, all right? Sit back down, and we hear stories. Like, what proves the validity and the credibility, but to hear witnesses and testimonies? You, like, meet people, like, really can shake their hand. Let me tell you how this is real. You hear testimonies of how God brought people from darkness into the light of the Lord Jesus Christ. Father, we love you, and we thank you for who you are and for the love that you've shown to us through your word. I, I thank you, Lord, for the way that you reveal yourself to us. And I pray, Lord, even in these last moments of us gathered together, that we would open our hearts to hear the Holy Spirit speak to us, telling us of the need to go to you for help, to surrender to you, to let you rule, that you would be the God who reigns in our lives. Thank you for your unconditional forgiveness and grace and your mercies that are new every day. May we leave this morning having known for certain that we've got a little bit of a glimpse of the amazing God that you are. We love you, and we thank you for our love for us. We ask this in Jesus' name. Amen.